and welcome to Water Matters, a podcast from Euro where we are answering your big water questions. Where does it come from? Where does it go to? And what happens to it in between? I'm your host, Caroline, and today I'm with my colleague, Gary Villalanda-Soklova, to talk about the challenges facing the water sector and how we address these. Gary has over 15 years of experience in the water sector, and she currently works with AEAS, the Spanish Association of Water Supply and Sanitation, where she's the Head of International Affairs. Gary, you're very welcome to Water Matters. Uh, hello, Caroline. Uh, thanks a lot for the invitation. Uh, I have to congratulate you for this idea of the podcast. I think it's really great. I'm very glad of being part of it. And it's just because water does matter. It certainly does, Gary. Thank you. So, Gary, over the last weeks, we've heard an awful lot about water, like where our drinking water comes from and where our wastewater goes to. And we've also learned a lot about some of the issues facing the sector from potential contaminants such as micropollutants, as well as the positive role treated water and wastewater can make. And of course, how the EU supports and protects the water and the environment. What do you see as the biggest challenges facing our sector? Uh, well, as the European urban water sector, we have identified 10 challenges we are facing, which include, just amongst others, the need to protect water as a valuable resource and guaranteeing the safety of water and wastewater. A major challenge we are facing is the aging of our water infrastructures, which if linked uh, to the lack of investment is um, jeopardizing the sustainability of our water services. In addition, climate change, which is a challenge in itself, is putting even more pressure on the other challenges we are facing. And we also have to work on increasing public awareness and bringing water into the political agenda, given the driving role water and the water services have in the EU overarching strategies, such as the um, European Green Deal, and in achieving the SDGs, and I mean all SDGs and not just the SDG 6 on water and sanitation. That's very true. And we've heard an awful lot about the European Green Deal and the SDGs over these podcasts. I know that one of the main issues from talking about water from a communications point of view is that water is a fairly hidden product. We go through our day opening and closing taps and flushing toilets without really thinking about where our water comes from. And we, we, don't ju we just don't think about our water until, for whatever reason, there's a problem with it. It's just not there anymore. Uh, maybe not water as such, but rather the water services. Um, water infrastructure is not really visible for people. On the one hand, the pipe network that brings drinking water to us and takes wastewater from us is hidden underground. And on the other hand, the treatment plants are not close to where people live, so they don't really see them. But uh, the infrastructure and the treatment of water and wastewater are expensive. Consumers need to be aware of what they are paying for when they get their water bills so they can understand the real cost behind supplying drinking water and treating wastewater. Mm. I think here it's important to highlight that the price consumers pay for the water services must strike the right balance between the affordability of these services and the need to recover the cost for these services in order to make them sustainable. But that's a benefit, no? It is, Caroline. Uh, investment in water, um, in water infrastructure is an investment in the environment and in the people and their health, as water services help fulfilling the human right to water and sanitation. 
But as I mentioned before, our water assets are aging. Just think of the fact that some of our water um, water infrastructure is over 50 years and even 100 years old sometimes, and they need to be renewed. So if we want to cope with and adapt to the new challenges that we are facing, we need to ensure the investments that will allow for this renewal and upgrading. I noted from talking with uh, Mikael Bentfelsen in episode three on micropollutants, these micropollutants are a big problem and they're one of the challenges that we're facing. Indeed, as I just said, our assets are old. Some wastewater treatment plants were built 40 years ago and they were definitely not made for treating this new micropollutants or microplastics. So these need to be upgraded. And in, I remember as well, in our episode on micropollutants, Mikel was saying that there are more and more micropollutants being found in the environment in general. Oh, yes, indeed. They are coming from very different sources. For example, pharmaceuticals, veterinary drugs, personal hygiene products or household chemicals. And they might represent a challenge for water resources and for water services once they enter the water cycle. Mm -hmm. If they get into the drinking water supply, they have to be removed, which affects not only the cost of the treatment, but also the use of energy. Same happens with wastewater. But in addition, they could also make it more difficult to um, reuse water and sludge coming from wastewater treated. Yeah, that's true. We were speaking about this with uh, Sarah Gilman in uh, the episode on sludge. But isn't the EU doing something about this? Well, it is doing something, maybe not enough. In line with the precautionary principle and the EU treaties, pollution should be prevented and controlled as much as possible at the source. This means that extended producer responsibility must be applied and end-of-pipe solutions should be considered as a last resort. In addition, we need to develop awareness in people related to what can and what cannot go into the wastewater system. I think we need to end this idea that the toilets are bins. I think we do because people have to be aware about what goes into their environment really does go into their environment and it has to be removed. All of this links to one of the positive challenges for water. It's a key part of the Green Deal and of the circular economy, isn't that right? Exactly. Uh, wastewater contains valuable um, resources such as energy, phosphorus or nitrogen, which can be recovered and reused. Besides, treated wastewater can reuse under specific standards. And now we finally have an EU legislation to ensure that wastewater can be reused safely in agriculture. That's brilliant. Uh, we fully support water reuse under the right conditions. Yeah, we do. Water services are also committed to being more energy efficient, to generating green energy and to using chemicals wisely in the treatment processes in order to be as sustainable as possible. And all this feeds into the water sector being a key driver for a sustainable future for all of us. That's all very true, Gary. But our world is changing a lot, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, I only mentioned briefly climate change, but climate change is both uh, reality and an undeniable risk that especially affects water resources. The impacts and the consequences of climate change on the water cycle are mainly related to the increase of droughts and heavy rains 
and to the variations in the distribution of rains, which may lead to a reduction of the availability of water resources. And this could most probably turn into more conflicts between different water users. Mm -hmm. Just as an example, the last three years in the north of Europe, uh, there has been unprecedented heat waves during the summers. But at the same time, extreme floodings due to heavy storms have become more intense and frequent all over Europe. I, I know what you mean. I think this summer it only rained a couple of times here in Belgium. So I know from my own experience that our summers are getting drier. Yeah, that's why we need to protect the drinking water supply and mitigate and adapt to the effects of climate change while controlling coasts and complying with the rules. Uh, it is therefore essential that the water service providers um, develop long-term plans together with international EU and um, national partners. But like you said a moment ago, Gary, there is an awful lot of positive here. Like we've seen the quality of our rivers and lakes improving over the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years, thanks to legislation like the Water Framework Directive. Our environment is improving. Yes, it is. Uh, but, uh, but water is a vulnerable um, resource that needs to be protected. And this is happening, albeit slowly. So water service providers work hard to deliver services that keep us all safe and healthy while protecting the environment. But to keep doing this, our capacity to address current and future challenges must be strengthened. So what can the EU do for the protection of water? Well, definitely water protection measures should be integrated and implemented in any um, relevant European policies such as agriculture, um, energy, tourism, recreation, but also in other pieces of laws such as the chemicals legislation. Mm -hmm. A lot remains to be done to um, ensure that our water resources are, are protected now and in the future. And in this sense, the EU needs to fully implement existing rules, coordinate policies and fund this future. I think this is one of the themes that's been going through an awful lot of these podcasts is talking about implementation and coordination. So it's really good to hear you talking about that again. But let's just go back to the prevention role that you just spoke about. Doesn't that link in with this? Absolutely, Caroline. Uh, one area that the EU could further strengthen is the prevention of pollution. It's much easier and cheaper to keep our environment clean than having to clean it once it's been polluted. And one significant way of doing this is preventing potentially hazardous substances from entering um, the water cycle in the first place. What we would need to do is stop these substances from entering and going into the product at source. This would help to keep our water affordable for everyone since less treatment would be needed and it would help ensuring this water supply for the future. This sounds like an, an awful lot of work. Are there many people working in the sector? Oh yeah, we're a big crowd, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we estimate that just under half a million people are employed in the water sector and from all walks of life. I think we are... Uh, multi-disciplinary uh, and highly specialized and qualified sector, gathering professionals like technicians, engineers, people working in labs, 
administrator, communications as yourself, lawyers. I mean, just think of one, it's in there. Okay, good. And we also contribute um, around 82 billion euros to the um, European economy per year. We also promote innovation and research. So it is actually a very dynamic and exciting sector to get involved in. I think some of that or a lot of that 82 billion euros is reinvested into research and innovation. So it is a very dynamic sector to be working in. Yeah, I, I would say we are a sector with a big eager for new professionals from all different disciplines. And now with the move to transforming into digital, there are even more opportunities to work in it. Besides, we actively promote opportunities for young professionals through different training programs, traineeships and internships and this type of things. Well, it sounds very much to me, Gary, like the, the future is very bright. Like there are challenges, but there, there's an awful lot of positive here as well. An awful lot of work to be done. And it's, it is a great sector to get involved in. Like I've certainly learned so much over my six years of working in the water sector. So I would encourage anybody who's got any interest in engineering or technical or wants to work in a lab, research, innovation, lawyer even, and also communications to, to get involved because it's, it's very dynamic and very interesting. So, Gary, thank you very, very much for that. There are, as I said, there are an awful lot of challenges and some difficult issues that have to be addressed, particularly if we want to keep water affordable and so that everybody can have access to affordable water in the future. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for outlining some of the, the challenges facing us. You're very much welcome, Caroline. It's been a real pleasure ch uh, chatting with you about the water services, the challenges and the future, because water does matter. Great, great to hear it, Gary. And that concludes the first season of Water Matters. If you liked it or if you have questions for us, you can contact us on Twitter at Euro, that's at E-U-R-E-A-U, -E or visit our website at euro.org. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.